0: Today word, And we believe that God is giving us fresh manna. Amen? God has a fresh word for us today. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles for a few minutes into Matthew chapter 6. The past several weeks I've been speaking to you on heavenly places. And that whole concept is because God's plan and desire is to bring the reality of heaven down on earth. How many of you believe Jesus wants His kingdom to come and His will to be done? And uh, I'm, I'm actually going to share something that's an old word, but I uh, the Lord just uh, brought something fresh in my mind with this passage. How many of you ever heard of the Lord's Prayer based in Matthew 6? And I want to go back through that this morning. The Lord really spoke to me that that was intended to be more than a prayer, it was intended to be a plan. God never intended for the church to just kind of get locked stock into some kind of a traditional prayer and psalm. God's entire desire is for the church to come alive with a sense of power and revelation. His desire is to place vision within your life. I know today we're living in a society that is changing all around us. There's a lot of anxiety in our nation right now. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of shifting that's going on. We have more people that are nervous and stressed and tensed out more than ever. And how many of you know we just need the power of God to be revealed in the church today? And you see, one of the things that I want to speak about, in fact, it's an amazing thing when I was... In prayer this week, the Lord impressed upon me. He said, Ray, the message you're going to be sharing this week is such a good message. It's such a message that is so life-giving, it's actually offensive to some because their minds are so small to receive it. How many of you know that God's goodness in some cases can be so big and so awesome that it becomes an offense for some to embrace it? For instance, if I come up to you today and I said, do you know that God has called you to be great in His kingdom? But some of us, because of our unbelief and fear and small-mindedness, we, be, we actually sabotage and allow the enemy to sabotage our minds with this so-called false Humility. Oh, I don't want to think greater. I don't want to receive anything of promotion of God because I'm afraid that I'll be lifted up with pride and then I'll stumble and I'll cause others to stumble. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. Do you know why Jesus called you to be salt and light in the earth? He called you to be salt and light because you are to be the most attractive people on the planet. If you are not attractive, and if you don't have the magnetism that the glory of God intends for you to possess, then you and I are falling way short of God's glory. Too much of the ungodly, too many people, the Harrys and the Marys, the, the Joe Six pack out there, the agnostic, the atheist. The secularists, the pagan, all of these different groups out here that are, you know, just says the church and God, it's rel- not relative, it doesn't relate to where I'm at today. Do you know why that exists today? It's because they've never seen anything positive or anything authentic come out of the church. Now, I don't actually blame the church. I actually believe the problem starts with the pulpit. I believe the problem starts with the clergy. I believe that we've got a lot of broken clergymen. We have a lot of small-minded, fear-preaching types of ministers, legalistic preaching that has just been so far below what God's intended plan for the church was to be. My Bible says that He's called me to bless me. He's chosen me. He's, he's anointed me. He's given me grace. He's, he's blessed me far above. He's called me to be ahead, not the table, above and not beneath. God did not call us to walk with our heads down with this false sense of humility, with this so-called self-righteous piety that isn't even of God. God called you to walk with your head high with an inner confidence That if God be for me, who can be against me? He's come to place a word that was so powerful and so explosive in your life that you have to ask God to hold back the blessing and the power, Lord. I just can't take it anymore. You know, I I, I appreciated what Randall was talking about. We just weren't expecting this, and then this came, and then this came, and God was, it, by the way, do you know that's just a drop in the bucket with what God wants to do with all of us? Yet we have this small-minded, false kind of mentality. Oh, I don't want to be blessed. I don't want to increase. I don't want God to prosper me. If I prosper, I'll get lifted up with pride. Oh, if God blesses me, oh, then I might stumble because of money. Or if the Lord begins to open doors for me, oh, God forbid that I should be happy and actually have a great name. By the way, do you know that Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, verse 29, it says that when Jesus came out of the wilderness, He was tested by the devil, the Bible says that His fame went all through the region of Judea. My Bible says that as He is, so are we in the world. Do you know that God called you to be famous? God forbid. Everyone say Fame. God intends for you to possess fame. He wants you to carry a sense of fame because of who you reflect and who you worship. Now, when we go into this passage, a very familiar passage, and you know, I was just seeking the Lord, and, and I was in prayer, and the, Lord, and the Lord said, Ray, go back to the Lord's Prayer. And how many of you heard so many messages on the Lord's Prayer? I mean, thank God for the Lord's Prayer and all that. It's an outline, but it's more than an outline. God spoke to you and says, Ray, it's more than a prayer. It's a vision. It's a plan. And the church hasn't got a hold of the plan. And until we really get a hold of the plan, until we uh, begin to allow the new wine of the power and the baptism of the Holy Ghost begin to come into our lives and begin to stretch us. Now, I, I want to I say something this morning because, like I said, God's goodness is so powerful. Not not, God's, not just God's Word, but God's goodness is so powerful and so good, it actually offends people. Case in point, I went in this past week. I, I've been praying for my uh, donut palace man over here at the donut palace. I've been going back and forth, and that's I know that's a bad testimony for me to tell you that, but you know he he still hasn't received his healing yet. But you will not believe what this guy said to me. I I was I was blown away. He says, you know, Ray, I I, I know every every time I come in to buy my maple donut, you know. He says, "Hey, hi, hey, hey Pastor, how you doing, Reverend? How you doing? I, I'm being good. I, I, I just still haven't got my full healing yet." And I said, "You know, Gary, your your healing's already accomplished. It was paid for, and and it was signed, sealed, and delivered two thousand years ago. You've already got the healing." Well, yeah, I know. I just don't really accept the fact that healing is for today, and I just don't really believe, you know, in miracles. And and I said, "You know, Gary." God's already healed you. And then this is what he said. You know, Ray, I got to be honest with you. If I actually accept what you say, and God actually heals me, that means I have to surrender some things. Now I got to be accountable. This is what he said. I'm not ready for that. So I'd rather live with my pain and live in this substandard place where I'm always dependent on doctors and pills, rather to embrace the reality of God's goodness, because I'm not ready to surrender. So sometimes how many of you know, God's goodness can be an offense. It's offensive. Because when God begins to show His goodness to you and He begins to bless you, because to whom much is given? The Bible says as you have freely received, freely give. Not that God's trying to put this guilt trip on you to start going. Here's the point. When God gives to you, you, you can't help but want to just give out. You just can't. See, here's the thing I said. I said, Gary, Your lack of faith and your lack of understanding of who your Heavenly Father is is limiting you to to receive and understand what God wants to do in your life. I said, by the way, everything that I say to you, there's a devil that is working on the other side to continually feed and to keep you in a place where you're polarized and paralyzed in your place, in your walk with God. I said, God wants to blow your mind with His faithfulness and goodness. We do not serve a small God, but we make God small by our lack of understanding and our lack of faith. Now, there are two things in the Lord's Prayer we need to understand. Well, there's two priorities in, in, in this passage in Matthew six, where Jesus was teaching us how to pray. The two priorities is this is intimacy with our Heavenly Father through worship. Because all of us are called to be worshipers, amen? This morning, every one of you are worshiping something. And you can tell by what you're worshiping is by where your passion is, what you devote your time, your life, your effort, and your energy. All of you, you may not even, well, you may, I'm an agnostic, I don't worship anything. Yes, you do. You were created in God's image and whatever you believe in and whatever you give your time, your strength, your energy is what you worship. Worship is not confined to some church facility or building. This is where we gather together, and this is where we become equipped. This is where we grow. This is where there's accountability and fellowship. This is what is the Bible talks about: coming together as a covenant community of believers, growing together as a body in, in, in the Lord. As we come to grow together, that's what. The, but true worship, true worship, the worship of an individual is how you live your life and how you direct the passion and purpose and vision of your life. How you live your life. Is Jesus glorified in your life or are your own desires and and your own intents glorified? So so we're we're all worshipers. We're all consumers. You're consuming. You're eating through your eyes, your ears, your mouth. You're eating through relationships. And you're, you're eating and whatever you eat is what you're becoming. And so Jesus here as he's teaching... His disciples, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, this is the Sermon on the Mount, One, part of the Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to followers here, and it's in this passage, and I'm going to just start again, and I'm going to be moving really quickly through this, but in Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 7, Jesus said, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions, as the heathen do. I'm not going to mention any names of any churches, but how many have ever heard some churches and religious use vain repetitions and they actually think by saying certain phrases and certain things that somehow that they're going to be heard from god the bible actually says that if you use vain repetitions he calls you a heathen wow i don't care how many crosses you have i don't care how many services you go to i don't care how many robes you wear how many synagogues you go to if you cannot just pray out of your heart the bible says you're a heathen you don't know god So vain repetitions doesn't necessarily uh, uh, touch the Lord here. But he says, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So God's not impressed by what you just say and how you just pray. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Can you say amen? I want you to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray right now for revelation, understanding, insight. Father, I pray right now for a divine impartation to come upon Your people right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, this day we're going to come out of here changed, equipped. Lord, we're going to come out enlarged with increase, with understanding. Father, we're going out, Lord, as warriors to take the kingdom, Lord, of Your Christ and of You, Lord, into this world. We, know, we understand our assignment. We understand the plan. Father, we move in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Jesus gave us the plan. It's a working plan. It's a plan that guarantees success. You cannot fail with this plan. Amen? Praise God. He's just looking for people that are have faith enough to believe Him for it. Uh, Bill Johnson wrote a powerful book. It was entitled When Heaven invades earth how many of you heard that book or read that book when heaven invades earth wow i just i just want to really encourage everybody to get that book he tells a short story uh in redding california it's where he lives it's where his church is it's where he pastors a church of a couple thousand and it's a small city of about two hundred thousand. and uh in their city they have been just invading that city with the glory of god with the love of god and just equipping their people and helping their people to understand that they're kingdom people, they're heaven people, they're, they're Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost people. They have a message, they have a word of life, they have a word that brings hope to those who are bound, and they've been just just really just just pressing and penetrating into the community. and And every year they have this July 4th picnic. And they have a carnival, they have a car derby, and they have clowns and carnivals and of uh, food and different stands. It's been more of a family kind of an entertainment situation, except one year, there was a year when uh, the city council had agreed or there was a, some kind of a permit issued for a fortune teller to come to the carnival. And some of the people came uh, to the carnival on the very first day, which happened to be on a Saturday. It went from Saturday to Saturday. <clears throat> And it just kind of come back, and Bill Johnson took his wife and kids, and they decided to go down to the carnival, to the to the uh, function down there. And he went over, and he saw the tent where it was erected, and the woman had set up that day, begin to set out her tarot cards and begin to put out all of those little emblems of sorcery and fortune-telling. And and uh, Bill Johnson, he, he tells in this story how he... Uh, as he was praying and seeking the Lord, realizing that his assignment as a pastor and as, a, as a, uh, a church in their area realized that God had not only just planted him in that city to pastor the church, but take the gospel of the kingdom to that community. How many of you know that you live in Garland here? You live in Plano, Richardson, maybe some of you. From, do you know that God has planted you and has given you an assignment to take your city? You are not here just because you have a job and you're raising your kids and trying to get some kind of a soccer uh, trophy in the school You are planted here and someday all of us are going to ask God how we dealt with the assignment that He gave us. How were we effective in reaching our city? That's going to happen, all of us. God's going to ask us to give an account because He's called us to be salt and light. And anyway, Bill Johnson, as he was... Uh, came around this tent and there were people in the community coming and getting their fortunes told. And by the way, do you know that the way the devil works, folks, I want to just kind of give you a little clue on the way the devil works. The devil always works by uh, 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 making people feel that you cannot be deceived by bringing his deceiving uh, things through the channel of entertainment. When he begins to make you think that you know fortune fortune cookies, Uh, by the way, I don't even read fortune cookies myself. But fortune telling and sorcery is just a form of entertainment. That's the way he gets into your minds and into your life. It's just some some little innocent little activity: Ouija boards, Dungeons and Dragons, Harry Potter. I want to just tell you right now, all of those are channels to get into your mind and to get into your family, into your children, and bring a snare and a curse on you. If you read Harry Potter, you or your children will bring a curse on their mind and on their bodies and on their lives. Those seances in Harry Potter are literally taken out of the books of witchcraft brought into the form of, of, of a nice little fictionary story and has and been induced into the society of different populations, different cultures around the world, as a way to get our children to read. I want you to know that the plan started out of hell. And its intent is to bring a curse upon our children. I just read the study from George Barna a couple of years ago that 14% of children in America that have read the Harry Potter's books have seriously considered going into witchcraft. By the way, I just was over at Walmart two weeks ago, right over here off of 190, and I was walking, I'm a big book man, I read lots of books. I was walking through the section of books. Walmart is selling a section of books. The one section was a section for teens. Over 50% of the books are on sorcery, witchcraft, and vampirism. As a form of entertainment. Parents, you need to listen up. You need to be aware of what your children are watching. Your video games. By the way, how many of you have been hearing about some of these murders uh, around uh, these young people killing these... uh, Do you know that they're finding out, and it's coming across the news, that many of these young people have been uh, secluded in their video games, the dungeon, the sorcery, uh, uh, being uh, desensitized on these video games through mass murders. And then they come out and they actually play the reality in real life. And now everybody wonders, how did this all happen? And what happens is many of our parents use video games as a way to babysit our children so we don't have to parent them. We've got to shape out of this. We've we got we to do some house cleaning. We've got to do what the Apostle Paul did in Ephesians where he came to the church at Ephesus and they took all their books and all their paraphernalia and all their idols and they had a church burning in the backyard of that church. We need to burn some of these this material of sorcery. You know, oh, Pastor Ray, you're just kind of bored at this. It's a little too radical for me. Well, if you want your children, I, I, I tell you, I, I, I don't want to get into the story, but I'll never forget years ago, I was a builder, a contractor, and I, I came into a home where there were uh, two, uh, uh, two adult uh, lawyers, uh, husband and wife, a lawyer team. They were married in the city of Portland, Oregon, and I came in and, and I was a, a remodeler, and uh, they brought me into the home, and down the hallway, at the end of the hallway, was the master bedroom, and in that master bedroom was a master bedroom, uh, uh, the, their door into their master bedroom with a huge hole about the size of two basketballs, and the jam was all beaten down, and uh, they were asking me to literally, think about this, the parents, the parents, were asking me to put a solid metal door with metal jams on their master bedroom door. And I said, what do you got, a gorilla in this house or what? (laughs) And they said, no. And when I said that, meaning just to be joking, all of a sudden the wife just breaks down, just starts weeping. And she says, last night we had to have our 16-year-old daughter arrested. Had to arrest our daughter because she was coming after us with an axe. By the way, these two adults, a husband and wife team, both elders, very intelligent, uh, upper echelon educated people in Portland, and they're calling me to come and to do a bid to repair the walls, the holes in the walls, because both they have they had a son and a daughter, both young people in the house. And uh, the, they were both adopted young kids. But they they all of a sudden in the past two years up to that time, these kids just like turned. Something uh snapped in these young people. And uh they were violent. And they just in the, these two adults were standing there literally shaking up don't know what has happened we we tried to be good parents we tried to do everything we could with our kids and they're just they just snapped and then, now they're trying to kill us we don't understand and you know the holy spirit just spoke to me said ray you are not here just to repair the door and all of a sudden i put my calculator my little pad down my tape measure And the Holy Spirit told me to ask them to let me see their bedroom. And they both looked at me. Why do you want to go in their bedroom? And I said, the bedroom tells a whole lot. And you know what those parents told me? We can't get in the bedroom. I said, what do you mean you can't get in the bedroom? Well, they locked us out. Wait a minute, time out. They locked you, the parents, out of the bedroom. Well, yes, it's their bedroom. They call it their space. I said, uh, ma'am, you're the parent. This is not a hotel. You have the right to go in the bedroom. Oh, we we do. These are lawyers. I mean, these, these are people that are... Process, they go after your throat, man, in, in a court. But yet in their own home, they're like just two little pansies. Oh, I don't know what to do. And I'm sitting here. we got to get into the bedroom. Well, you think we should? I'm not kidding you. I said, I think we should. If you give me permission, I'll use my credit card. <laughs> and they actually did. They give me, they give me the opportunity... To open the the door, it was really easy, just a single lock, and I just slid my credit card, kind of muscled it in there, and opened the door. First, we was able to get into the girls' uh, bedroom. All over the walls was sorcery, witchcraft, Led Zeppelin, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath. Any of you old-timers know what I'm talking about. Everything that had to do with Sorcery, witchcraft, hate, rebellion. And I said, look at what's in your bedroom. Well, it's just music. It's just entertainment. That's that's all it is. It's just music. No, it's spirits. There is, oh, well, Pastor, we, by the way, both of these parents, they were kind of an ecumenical Methodist type group. They did actually go to church, but they didn't believe. They didn't believe in the and the power of the supernatural claim to be religious. I said, this is not a behavior problem. It's a spirit problem. And by the way, the psychologist, which they had been working with in Portland, was already trying to sedate them with different types of drugs. Let me tell you something. You cannot use drugs on a spiritual problem. All you do is, it's exactly what it's called, an antidepressant. You just depress the problem, but you don't deal with the root. And so, anyway, didn't mean to get off on that one, but I said, until we begin to bind the powers of darkness in this, until you begin to call it for what it is, you've got to call it a duck-a-duck, this is what it is. There's a demonic power that's overruling in their minds, and I'll tell you that the mother just starts shaking when I start talking about the demonic in the realm. She says, I didn't know what I was letting in my house. Oh, the other thing she also mentioned, which I actually forgot, she says, we have actually sometimes hear voices. I said, well, guess what? The Bible talks about the gates of hell. And any time you allow certain programming, certain television, certain activities, certain people to to operate in your home that actually open these doors through either could be through immorality, through sorcery, you, you actually establish a gate whereby spirits flood your house until you cover it with the blood, you renounce that, you denounce it, and you begin to establish the Lordship of Jesus, then and only then will you have victory and peace will come back in your house. But there are people that all oh, Pastor Ray, it's just entertainment. Well, go ahead. Get your doors bolted with steel. I, I tell you, you know, folks, I want to tell you, the christian community doesn't believe in these things even there's a lot of people they just think it's entertainment it's just a, it's a joke it doesn't not real you know everybody's, no no folks this is real now we don't have to be afraid of it if you're a believer and you're 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 under the lordship of Jesus and you're obedient and you're following him there's nothing to be afraid of i'm not afraid of the devil Because the blood of Jesus and the authority of the kingdom is over my life. I'm under that umbrella of His favor and protection. But I'll tell you, I would be scared to death to be walking in disobedience. When Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, this plan was intended to empower you, not only with intimacy with the Father, but to endorse and to put His strength and anointing upon you so that you would go forth just as Jesus and to destroy the works of the enemy. Everyone say destroy. He's called you to destroy the works of the enemy. You are powerful. You are attractive. You have the ability to go in and see the kingdom of God uh, come into your city, into your community, into your home. And there's an assignment on every one of you to bring and usher the kingdom of God in where you're at. You are called to shut the gates of hell and to open the gates of heaven upon your community and upon your family. And we need to rise up and realize that God has anointed us as warriors and as soldiers of the cross to see this come. We've got to become people of vision, amen? You need to realize, number one, I'm called. Number two, I am anointed and equipped. Number three, I have the weapons of warfare. And number four, I'm, really, I'm ready and willing to fight the good fight of faith. Now, the first thing that Jesus does here is that He says, He says, when you pray, say, Our Father. Everyone say, Our Father. Jesus here initially starts this plan or prayer with intimacy with the Father. He ushers the understanding that we are His children. By Him telling us to call Him Our Father, literally conveys to us that our Father desires to get really close with us. It is the first time in history when Jesus comes, He comes as an extension of the Father, as a revelation of the Father, of a Father who desires to get close to people who are sinners and broken. And He calls you His sons and daughters. It is through His death and burial that we are now adopted into the family. Jesus not only calls us His children, but He allows us to draw close to Him. It is there that we are able to communicate with Him. We can walk with Him as Jesus did. We can have the Father speak and confirm to us His direction. You are not walking in darkness. You walk with divine wisdom. You walk with a knowledge that is far superior than natural knowledge. I remember when I came into that home situation it was the wisdom of God that gave me the the the, the words and answers to help that couple when uh, uh Bill Johnson was at that carnival that day and this woman was uh just literally uh And that's what she does by telling those people their fortunes. Do you know when you open your heart to hear those so-called fortunes, you are actually allowing the enemy to establish strongholds and snares in your life. You are giving him the power and the right to torment you and have his way with you. When you go to a, I would not read, Christians should not be reading astrology. You should not be reaching for all oh, Path there it's just a little bit of entertainment. No, it's a trap. It's a snare. And the Bible says you're to bring no abomination into your house lest you be snared unto it. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You're to destroy their pillars. You're to crush their sacred pillars. You're to have nothing to do as a Christian. Why? Because your body and your mind and your home and your life is a sacred temple unto the Holy Spirit. And whatever you open yourself up to is what begins to rule and take dominion over your life. There's people that I just don't understand. I just don't understand why I'm always depressed. I don't understand why my life is just falling apart. I just don't understand why I live in fear. I just don't understand why, why there's just a spirit of heaviness. Why? Because somewhere they've opened a door. Oh, pastor, I just don't receive it. Well, you need to realize you either have the kingdom of peace because the prince of peace rules over you or you've opened the door in your life and you need to shut that door you need to find where that door was open you need to close it you need to renounce it you need to embrace jesus as lord of your life you need to invite him as king and only as he is king can you have true peace joy and righteousness in the holy ghost one thing that bill johnson began to do he says i will not allow these spirits to take my city everyone say my city dallas is my city i love my city i'm not going to let my city become some kind of a place for the enemy to seduce people this is my city i'm by the way i love dallas i love this city i love the people in this city everyone say i love dallas some of you may not like it but you better get used to it because this is your assignment amen you're not living here just because you happened to just get a promotion. You moved here because mama called you here. Now you're here by divine assignment. And until you wake up to, I'm here by the, I need to love my city. There's an assignment on me to begin to build, teach, and be an effective uh, instrument of God in my city. Bill Johnson, he says, I begin to walk around that tent. He says, I bind the lying spirit upon this fortune teller in Jesus' name. I command the powers of darkness and hell to be shut down. And then Bill said, I walked away. That was on the first day. The very next morning, it got back to the church, that that fortune teller was gone that night. For some reason, they don't know why, she closed shop and left. Didn't even stay the whole week. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of authority. You see, you have the power of authority to bind and loose. You do not have to allow certain things to just go on in your life. You need to understand the power of prayer. The Christians are praying that. Well, Pastor, you and I just want one step in the areas that I'm really not sure of. Well, you better realize ignorance is going to be your downfall. The devil wants you to stay dumb. The devil wants you to stay shy. Well, that's just not me. You know, I'm just kind of a quiet guy reserved. And I just kind of hold back and let all those other salesmen kind of people do it. No. God's called you, filled you with the Holy Ghost, give you boldness. And he wants you to step out by faith and begin to take back your city. Take back our land. Amen. Jesus said, Our Father, which art in heaven. Everyone say, Our Father. That means He has introduced you to a culture of honor. He's introduced you to a culture where you are privileged. He's introduced you to a family where you are blessed and increased in every way. He wants you to get used to fame, privilege, wealth. He wants you to get used to it. Stop walking around. Oh, at that pastor, I just think we need to be poor and humble. I just need to be poor and humble. I don't want to get too exalted now because I'm afraid I might stumble. That's a lie. Out of that, you know what that is? That's false humility. That's false humility because you're trying to show God, oh Lord, I. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be great. I don't want my name to be great. I know you gave the promise to Abraham, the great name, great families, great blessing, great... I just don't want to think great. I just want to think poor and poverty and holy and, oh, I'm humble, humble, humble. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. It's a lie out of the pit of hell. You're not attractive to the world that way. You're not going to be... Your gospel is not going to be attractive. I, I don't come to people that... That are non believers and say, I just want you to know that I've been so blessed being on the bottom. I'm so blessed that I'm humble. I know I'm poor. I barely get by, but by blessed God, I've been trusting the Lord all the way. No, nobody wants your gospel. Nobody wants that kind. Now, by the way, I'm not suggesting. That we're to embrace this, and I understand there are extremes in the prosperity gospel where all people talk about is money, money, more money. I'm not referring to that, because our prosperity is not based upon our bank account. The prosperity we are referring to is l- what the Lord has done in our hearts. What the Lord's my prosperity is not dependent on my bank account. The Lord, if the Lord so much, bl- I actually had a guy who come down. Literally, this actually happened only once that I can re- re- remember. A guy came down and said to me, Pastor, I need you to pray with me that the Lord will hum- keep me humble from pride because he's been promoting me on my business. Okay? What do you mean, keep you? Well, I've just been getting promoted, and the Lord's been blessing me with so much increase, and I just, I just don't want to get lifted up with pride. I said, well, I appreciate the fact that you're aware of that, but I said, have you realized maybe that God is blessing you so that you can be a witness of God's goodness and favor? Well, I never thought of it that way. And I said, you know what? You need to start sharing how God has been blessing you. He's a good father who loves to give good things to his kids. We have been preached a gospel that God is stingy. We've, been heard, we've, been, we've heard a gospel for so many Well, God's not going to give it to you because I can't trust you with it. We've been hearing that kind of propaganda. Do you know God loves to spoil you like i said a couple weeks ago when i was teaching you folks when the lord took peter james and john on the mountain that god was taking them up there to show him his glory and notice what peter james and they fall asleep and that tells me that even with people who sleep in church god's still going to show them their glory god's still going to bless you I mean, I don't know about you, but Peter, James, and John, those disciples were not the smartest group. They were not necessarily the quickest on the block. But you know what? God still used them. God still used them in powerful ways. And I'm not suggesting that we can just live sinfully or sloppy. I believe we're depressed for excellence. But here the Lord wants us to know that He's a good Father. He desires intimacy. And before we become worshipers, we must have an intimate, and there must be a flow of relationship and faith with our Heavenly Father. Number two, Jesus said this. He said we're to hallow His name. There are five requests in the Lord's Prayer. The The first one is to hallow His name. That means that we are to ask the Lord to separate us. The Lord is calling us to request and to separate us from the things of the world and even from the nations of the world. God has called us to to have His name hallowed in our life. That means that when you take on His name, that means you regard His name as sacred and holy. There are many names that God has been given. He's an almighty God. He's an all-sufficient God. He's a God who is our Jehovah-Jireh. He's our peace. And those names being sanctified as we call upon the Lord and as we surrender our lives to Him and His name is hallowed in our lives, then and only then does the increase of His kingdom and glory begin to come. Because there, before there is glory, there must be worship. God has called us to be worshipers, but true worship only begins as we are surrendered to Him. Then the second request is this, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Everyone say success. How many of you know that if it exists in heaven, it's to exist here on earth? When Jesus said, thy kingdom come, you know what that request is? It's a request for the Lord to make you a success. Because it's the will of God for his kingdom. Let me tell you, his kingdom is all about glory and greatness. In his kingdom, there's her. And when Jesus came, Jesus said that if I by my finger cast out demons with my finger, by the flick of my finger, he says the kingdom of heaven has come to you. When you begin to pray, your kingdom come, what Jesus is asking you and helping you to line your mind and life up with is he wants you to realize that there are gifts in you that are to come alive. You see, Jesus said to John the Baptist through his disciples, John said, are you the one that we should follow or do we follow another? Jesus said, tell John that the unclean are clean. Demons are cast out, the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised. In other words, Jesus, in his walk on life, he manifests these gifts. When you pray your kingdom come, what you're asking is, Lord, manifest those gifts. Let those gifts come alive in me. In other words, you are to pray and believe God for success. You're to embrace promotion. Amen. You're to take your faith and grab that promise in Jesus' name, and you are to begin to walk in the liberty of that promise. There were two glories, the glory of the old covenant, the glory of the new covenant, under the glory of the old covenant. It was the glory of condemnation. Under the glory of the new covenant, Jesus said, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God wants to bring a liberty in a church a freedom in such a way where when God begins to bring increase and power, you are not limited. You are not restrained by fear and false humility. You are set free to be yourself in the way God has called you and equipped you to be. You're free. Everyone say I'm free. When he said, thy kingdom come, What did that mean? He wanted the richness and the fullness and the wealth and the privilege of that kingdom to rest upon your life. I tell my kids all the time, you're rich. I tell my kids, you're privileged. Oh, Pastor Ray, you're setting a stumbling block for them. No, I'm not. I'm setting stepping stones for them to climb. I'm tired of parents and pastors telling their people, you better stay poor and humble. That's a a false gospel. You are not attractive. You are not attractive when you're limited, small-minded, with this false sense of purity and piety and holiness. People are not going to want what you have. My Bible says that the fame of Jesus went through all the regions of Judea. What What did he do when he came into a town? The Bible says he healed all of them. Jesus came, he was in the wilderness, and they were without food, and they were three days' journey from any city. And the Bible says, he turns to Philip, he says, Philip, you feed him. Philip says, Lord, we don't have anything to feed him. He said, you feed him. Jesus was giving Philip an opportunity to move into the supernatural, but Philip was so small-minded, limited by his own belief, he didn't see that God could take what he had in his hand and multiply it. Everyone say, in my hand. Do you know that you have enough power and glory? There's enough seed in your hand right now to bring such miraculous provision to the whole city where people would come up and say, wow, Vince has got something. He's changing our city. Randall, there's a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge in this guy. Look out for him. He's moving after God. Whoa. Bill Johnson. Bill, man, there's 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 a favor on that guy. Every time he lays hands on me, the favor of God just is out of my belly is flowing rivers of living water. You may say, Pastor Ray, this, this just kind of sounds like a, you know, a hyped up message. Maybe it does. But I think it's God's word. Let me tell you something. God wants his people to reflect him. And you know what? My, my Bible says that he's glorious. He's powerful. He's almighty. There's nothing that He lacks. He's an all-loving God. He's a God who wants His people to partner with Him. This is a plan. It is a plan not only of provision, but it is a plan of privilege. You are a privileged people. He wants you to understand that. You know what I told Gary this past week? I said, you know, Gary, I said, once you begin to tap into your Heavenly Father, you know what He is and what He wants to do for you. You won't hold back. You won't hold anything back. You'll begin to realize that the things you're holding on to are so meaningless compared to what He wants to give you when you totally surrender to Him. The next thing here that I believe is so important here as we go through this Jesus said to give us this day our daily bed. How many of you know there's no starvation in heaven? Amen. There's no meal tables in heaven. There's no food centers in heaven. In heaven, there's plenty. There is just more and more and more. There's an abundance in heaven. When the Bible says to say to give us this day our daily bread, we're to move in a place of praise and thanksgiving. When you begin to give thanks to God, you begin to watch God's provision. God begins to provide. The next thing here in this prayer and request is the Bible says, Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Everyone say "Mercy." mercy. This is something where we begin to move in. Everything in our life is connected with not only His provision and His covenant promise, but everything is connected with relationships. Now this particular request can really derail the entire train if you're not careful. Because in the message of preaching the gospel of the kingdom, there's going to be times when people are going to step on your toes or you may step on theirs. Because in the covenant community, as we're closely relating and as we're growing in the kingdom and as, as God is using iron to sharpen iron, there's times where we can become offended. One of the dangerous things in the body of Christ is where we begin to just write people off. I remember a person who came literally several years to this church. He had left another church, and when he came to this church, he says, you know, Pastor, I for some reason, the past couple of years, I just have not been able to see breakthrough in my life. One of the things I asked him about is where he came from, his former church. I said, tell me about where you came. Well, we left that church because of an offense. And I said, well, how did you leave the church? Well, we just left. We didn't want to deal with those people. We just left. And I said, did you leave the church the right way or the wrong way? He says, I didn't know there was a right way or a wrong way. Well, the Bible says that if you have a person who's offended you, you, the Bible says in Colossians, you are to forgive them. Well, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. I just want to move on. I didn't like them. I didn't want to deal with their politics and their problems. I just moved on. I said, well, guess what happened? You just brought a curse on yourself. What are you talking about? The Bible says that if you will not forgive those who offend you, I will not forgive you. And you know what? When I break fellowship with a member of the body, I actually separate myself from the head. You cannot afford to live with unforgiveness. It will cut, it will lift the favor, the blessing of God. I don't care how much word you know, how equipped, how anointed you, if you want the favor of God, I said, you need to go back. Even though you left the church, you need to say, I've got problems, I have issues. But I need to forgive you. Please forgive me so the favor of God comes back on my life. How many of you know that in heaven there's no segregated parts in heaven? In heaven, you're not going to be able to go on the east side of the city of Jerusalem while your enemies are on the west side. I know down on earth, I remember that guy. I did not like him and I don't like him up here either. You see, if you're thinking that way, guess what? You're not going to make it up there. Because only people that go to heaven are people who have forgiven others as Christ has forgiven you. You can't say, well, you know what, I'm just going to choose to go through my life, and they're out of my life now. I know they hurt me, and I'm tired of it, and angry, I'm mad at them. I don't have to deal with them. They're on the other side of the world. Praise God, and I'm glad they're over there. I'm over here, and I'll just kind of, when we all get to heaven, in Jesus' name, amen, I just pray they're just never there. Not going to happen. If you don't deal with it here, you will make it going up there because Colossians is really clear. If you do not forgive your enemies, if you do not forgive those who offend you, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. And that means, because the only people that are in heaven are forgiven people. So in order for me to have mercy, I must show mercy. The only way I can have mercy is to show mercy. So you cannot afford to harbor anger and bitterness and offense. I know that's a message in and of itself. Pastor Ray, that's pretty That's pretty deliberate. You're, what you're saying is some pretty heavy stuff. That's right. It is a very, de- the blessing of God, the favor of God, your prayers will be hindered. You think you can just run and escape and go, well, I'll leave the church, leave the marriage, leave the person, leave the city, I'll leave my, mom. no, no, you've got to deal with it. Well, Pastor, I don't want to deal with it. I know you don't. I know you don't. It's not easy to deal with it. Jesus forgave you and I must forgive them. I may lose some people on that one, but that's okay. Praise God. And then I love this one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How many know God doesn't lead us into temptation? He doesn't lead us into heaven. But listen to this. Guess where He leads you to? He leads you into increase, He leads you into promotion. He will lead you into a place where it's so much larger. Where you, you know why this Bible says, and why the Scripture says, lead us not into temptation? Because there are times where what God is going to lead you into is going to be bigger than your character may handle. And when Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, what he is saying, there are times that God, because of how great and how awesome, because he's such a giving God, he wants to anoint you, he wants to bless you. There's times where God will lead you into something that is so much bigger than what your character can handle that the actual anointing and the blessing can become the catalyst for your downfall. Did you hear what I just said? Sometimes the anointing and the blessing and the gifting that God gives you can become the catalyst for your downfall if your character cannot handle the blessing and the anointing that He's given you. How many of you have ever seen ministry, God's blessed ministry with great gifting and but because they didn't have the character to handle the anointing, it became become their demise. God wants to bless you. That's what that means. Lord, as you're leading me into blessing and promotion... Don't lead me into temptation. Help me, Lord. Help, me, help my character and help my life to match what you want to give me in blessing. How many of you know we have a Father who wants to bless us? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And by the way, the evil is not the devil. The evil is in here. The evil is the things that I refuse to look at. The evil is my own pride or issues here. My biggest problem isn't the devil. My problem is here i i i got ray's got to keep a check here on on this thing here moving on moving on your kingdom for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever let's all say that shall we yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever that's a declaration of his sovereign plan and authority over your life guess what how many of you know that the kingdom belongs to him the kingdom is His, and guess what? Because it's His, He has the right to give it to whomever He wants to. And because He has given it to you, when you begin to declare your kingdom and your power and glory, what you're doing is you're actually speaking the reality that is in heaven into your reality on earth. And so when you begin to say, Father, yours is the kingdom, it's not my kingdom. Not the devil's kingdom, not the world's kingdom, not Obama's kingdom, not the republic. It's your kingdom, Lord. And when you begin to declare his kingdom come, your will be done. Let me tell you something. Get ready for an avalanche of the kingdom, the power, and the glory to begin to see on your... Let me tell you, folks, God wants to give us things that our eyes haven't seen. He wants to open us things that our ears have not heard, that have not even entered into our heart, the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. How many of you believe that's the kind of Father we serve? And you know what? This church is about ready to burst into something. There is something happening. David said it. There, I, the Lord just, this week the Lord said, Ray, tell the church they're pregnant. You're going to give birth to something. We're pregnant. And you know what? Only pregnant women that are married, that love God, are happy women. And we're a happy bride. God has put a seed inside of us. We're pregnant. You're impregnated. And guess what? It's, we're going to see a birth come through here. Amen. I want you to bow your heads. Bow your heads. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy. Today, you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, wow. I know that the Lord wants to bring an increase in my thinking. I've had a poverty mentality. I have limited God with unbelief and a false sense of, of righteousness. And I need that to be stripped off my life. I want the Lord to loosen me and, and just bring a spirit of liberty and understanding of the greatness of this kingdom that I'm a part of. And maybe this morning you're not even saved. Maybe you don't even know Jesus. Maybe you've been introduced to a legalistic gospel i want to see your hand if that's you this morning you don't even know jesus you need the lord in your life raise your hand if that's you i need the lord i need the lord okay anyone here this morning you may say pastor i need the lord to just bring an increase of in my faith to allow my vision to get larger grow larger because I've, i have found that i've limited the holy one of israel if that's you lift your hand this morning i want to pray okay i see your hands Let's all stand to our feet, shall we, this morning? I've limited the Holy One of Israel. Amen. I want you to come this morning. If you've raised your hand, we're going to pray. And there is going to be a divine impartation. We're going to see God give you vision. We're going to see the Lord begin to break out upon your life. If you raise your hand, feel free to come if you like. We're going to pray over you this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit... To baptize you afresh, with a large understanding of how great and how good our Father is, Amen. Praise God! I want to thank these folks for their boldness. God's got great things for you. I mean, it's bigger than what you can even ask for. Amen. God has some.